Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. But I'm going to shift into today's topic, and uh, we're, we're starting, you know, it's, it's interesting. At Westside, we kind of have a spiritual diet throughout the year, and often we dig deep into uh, passages of scriptures or a book, like we've been doing through Revelation uh, recently, and then sometimes we lean into something a little bit more practical. And today, uh, well, all of scripture is practical. I don't want to say it that way, but um, what I mean is that just leaning into a topic and teasing out some things uh, to help us in the tension of our own lives. And today we're talking about the topic of money uh, or the use of it and how it works. And this season, I think, is particularly important to think about this issue, to address this issue, because I'm, I'm I'm sensing many of us are feeling this kind of tightening of the belt. Have you ever, you know, gained some weight and you realize your belt is a little bit too tight? Um, And, or, you know, when you realize, like, you're spending money or spending more money, and then your financial belt starts to feel a little bit tight uh, when you walk into a place and you're like, I can't spend $18 for a watermelon. Like, I, I, I won't eat watermelon today. Uh, that's expensive. Or you're, you're making a choice, like, you know what, maybe I won't go see my friends that live, um, you know, 30, 40 kilometers from here because the gas is a little bit too expensive today. It hit 216. Uh, or maybe you're planning like your next, you know, your next family gathering or a bunch of friends and you're talking and you're like, mm, why don't we make it a potluck? Why don't we just, everybody just bring something. Uh, I, we won't cover the whole thing this time, you know, uh, because, because, you know, it, things are, we're dealing with inflation and other things like that. And some of times I put this picture on the screen because, you know, when you're, you go to a roller coaster ride and they strap you in, you ever kind of feel that, that sense where you just feel totally strapped in and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And, um, and I, I don't know, are the pictures not working today? Maybe they're not, eh? They're not up there. Maybe I didn't, I didn't, oh, there it is. Cool. Now, that's really great if you're in a roller coaster, but it doesn't feel good when you're trying to handle your money, right? It's important when you're flying all over the place and you don't want to fall off the roller coaster, but it doesn't feel great when that's what it feels, when your budget feels like that. When your budget feels like that, that doesn't feel great. Now, we have not been a displaced people here in Canada like we've been praying for other parts of the world. There's no comparison there. But many people are starting to feel strapped. And it can feel like strapped meaning this way. And I have this kind of definition on the screen. It can be a feeling of being strapped, like you're actually okay, but the news and you're hearing stuff and you're hearing about what's going on and you feel it that way. Or maybe it's really a reality for many people, just feeling strapped. And sometimes you like head into your pockets and you're like, no, there's nothing left here to give. I've kind of done everything I can this month. And I want to I read a picture uh, or kind of a picture that Jesus gives us in, in Matthew chapter 6. If you got your Bible, Turn to it if you're online. Feel free to grab a Bible and turn to it. Uh, We're going to also have it here on the screen. And Matthew 6 is a great passage of Scripture because as much as Jesus deals with the heart of his kingdom, inside this passage there's some ideas for us in terms of how we manage our finances and what it, you know, maybe some of the roots of feeling strapped. And so here's, here's a Chapter 6, verse 19 in Matthew's Gospel. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jump to verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. One of the original words is mammon, kind of the god of wealth. Verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry by saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you all need these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, wor will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. That's true. God, as we read this and as we reflect on this the next few weeks, um, and as we wrestle with the parts of our lives where this just affects me, we just want to be present to the voice of your spirit in our lives because we know that it's... Uh, partly about uh, our finances, but so much bigger than that in the kind of life you call us into and how you want us to partner with you, Lord. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is officially Ascension Day. If we follow the church calendar, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday where we re reflect, usually reflect on the coming of the Holy Spirit. Today is Ascension Day, remembering the ascension of Jesus, the enthronement of Jesus. And we celebrate that Jesus is King, that he's Lord. And the, the last verse of this text is actually really in line with that, where Jesus says, strive first for God's kingdom and his righteousness. That's the backdrop to what it means to be a Christian. That's the backdrop to what it means to follow Jesus. That's the backdrop to why we, why we do what we do, why we come and worship, why we disciple one another, why we teach the scriptures, why we encourage each other in our walk with Christ. And so that's the backdrop. That's really key, and we're going to get to that in the, in the next week or so. But today, I want to focus on a word that Jesus uses three times in this text. Did you catch it? He said the word worry three times. Three times he says this. As he calls the disciples to shift their priorities towards his kingdom, he also understands and kind of lays it out for them that he understands what they're feeling in the middle of their day-to-day -day life. And it's the word worry. I, I know this word particularly well because I inherited this trait from my mother. My mother is the one of the biggest worriers. Ma, if you're listening out there, I'm so sorry I got to peg you in this way, but, but it's just a reality. I think she got it from her grandfather, and I don't know how many generations, and I'm just like, I fight with this generational thing in me, and um, it's, it's, an, it's interesting. But this context that Jesus is speaking into, it's related to the preoccupation that his disciples had on an everyday basis with material and financial resources. 
It's not abnormal for any of us to go through what they might have gone through in their day. Different time, different context, different city, different amounts of money, different population in the world. But they still struggled with that. It was normal. It's normal for human beings, for you and me, often to be caught up with these misplaced priorities as his disciples were. And just because they were disciples, just because they hung out with Jesus, learned from Jesus, were shaped by Jesus, it didn't mean they did not have to wrestle with how they invested their lives and their resources. One phrase that comes up in verse 19 to 20 that really shows how practical this is, is the phrase storing up. This is the activity Jesus is referring to. Before even he addresses worry, he, he, he just addresses their normal activity, storing things up. Now, you can store things up for God's kingdom and his righteousness. You can store things up for worldly things. Jesus, but the point here is that phrase is important. It's the activity Jesus is referring to. Storing up is a normal human activity. We do this all the time. We store things up. We, we move money around. We move resources around. We sell something. We do something. We make money. We spend money. We save money. All that kind of stuff. And this is a normal human activity for you and me. And I think the beauty of this phrase is that we all have a choice in what and where to store up. We all have an opportunity in what to do with what we have, especially in our context right now in our part of the world. We still have a choice in where and what to store up. And depending on where you store your treasure, your resources, has a lot to do if that leads you to worry or contentment. Where we store our stuff and so this, the next few weeks, we're in a series called Unstrapped. Um, and obviously, I shared, showed the picture of someone being strapped. I want to talk about being unstrapped. And there's clues here to what straps us. There's clues here to what creates worry and what creates anxiety in our minds and our hearts when it comes to finances. And I get it. You know, if, I look, if we just had like a survey, there's some people in the room who worry a lot more about money than other people in the room. It's just true. And uh, I remember talking to someone who was like a back specialist, and I had some, some pains here, and, and they kind of said, well, this side of your back, when you feel stress here, it's financial. When you feel, feel stress here, it's, um, it's just normal stress. And I'm like, really? So now I'm like, every time like, I feel a pain, I'm like, am I, am I worried about money? Am I, wor did my, am I worried about my kids? Like, what, what am I worried about? Like, which shoulder hurts, you know? Um, but th there's, there's a source of our stress, a source of our worry. Jesus says in verse 23, really practically, where your treasure is, that's there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, and those two highlighted words, for where your treasure is, if we just pull them out, that's super practical. This assumes that we have pressure, uh, treasures. This assumes that the disciples he's speaking to, even in the first century, had some kind of treasure, resources, uh, material stuff at their disposal. There's references to Scripture. Even when, when the Scriptures talk about generosity, the Scripture assumes we have something to give. That's our treasure. When the wisdom in the Proverbs, you read through some of the Proverbs about how the ant stores for the winter months and all that kind of stuff, really, really great uh, wisdom in the Proverbs about finances and, and resources. Well, that assumes that we have something to save, that we have some, something at our disposal to move around. There's references in the scriptures of giving things up while we assume we have something to give up. I can't give something up that I don't have. So there's an assumption in the scriptures that we have resources. Even when the disciples of Jesus, they still went out to fish. 
We see them fishing earlier in the Gospels. We see them fishing after the resurrection. They're still fishing because this is part of their resources. The Apostle Paul talked about, you know, um, making sure that people that are involved in the church uh, also get resourced. But in that time period, he was bivocational. He made tents. And so there was, there was resources there. There's an assumption in the scriptures, if we just look under the surface, where we all have a treasure and we all have to decide where to put it. The where and the is is important. The place and the purpose is really important. And here's the beautiful thing. You, for the most part, have control over the place and the purpose of your resources. You have control. I have control, for the most part, for the place and purpose of our resources. But one of the sources of worries that's, I think, even before we get into the the beauty and richness of where Jesus wants to lead us, so we're kind of taking the under, under the radar assumption here today before we get into that other stuff. One of the sources of worry is mismanaging resources. And one of the sources of worry, I'm going to just list three and we're going to just deal with one today. One is where we're missing margin. One of the sources of worry in your life and my life financially is when we are missing margin. When, see, we, it, it, this assumes that we have something to store, Right? When you have nothing to store, you start to worry. When you have nothing to move, you start to worry. If we only carried cash, if you, if, when I, I rarely carry cash these days, but Mike Nardoza does. Don't, don't like mug him on the way out, okay? Um, he's a good cash carrier. But what I'm saying, I shouldn't have said that, Mike. Now everybody's going <laughs> to, oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't get hurt in the parking lot. But here's the thing. If you show up to the cash register and you got no cash, well, there's no margin in there. If you, if you ask Mike, even, <laughs> even if you have 100 bucks, but it's like $102, you have no margin. You can't buy the item, right? When you have nothing to store, you start worrying. When you've used everything up and there's nothing else to use, you start to worry. Margin is an amazing thing. Have you ever read a, uh, like a book that didn't use margins? If you did, it'd drive you crazy because you can't even get through it, because you're like, why is the word right to the end of the page? And then I see my plant behind the book. You're like, I can't do that. I need a margin. Margin is so helpful, and it's so helpful in our, in our finances. I was, uh, last, a couple of years ago, actually, because I did this last year, but the year before, my neighbor was getting rid of all his old patio stones, and, um, and I thought, he's like, Dave, do you want them before I throw them out? And I'm like, I had this idea for this patio in my backyard. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take them. So I took them, I threw them in my backyard. And last year, I started to put it together. And I had this vision of where it went and how it was going to go and where it was going to lay it out and how I'd space it out. So I was getting it done. I, I, put, I, I leveled it as best as I could. I had um, you know, got the right material, got the, the sand to put in between to get really hard. And as I was coming to the end of the project, I was getting really nervous because I, my vision was to f- the, this shape, but my patio stones had a limited number of patio stones. They were depleting. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like, I don't know if this is going to work. And so here's, see, this is just the corner. Nobody sees this corner. See the broken half stone? And then right at the top, like, not top, but like that corner, there's a little rock. I literally had no more stones left. I had to find anything at my disposal to finish it. Now go to the next next slide. This really freaked me out. Now this might seem like nothing to you. But I had leftover border to cover this whole patio. And I calculated it to the T. I'm like, okay, I have this many feet. I'm going to do this pattern. I think it's going to work. And I'm getting to the end. See the little black line before the rock? 
That's the border. I had like 40 feet of border or something like that. And it was just going to make it. And I'm coming. And I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have enough border. My sand's going to fall out. I'm going to get dirt inside it. So I found this one rock to close. <laughs> that closed the gap of my border so the sand that would harden wouldn't go into the dirt. That was like my solution. Both my patio stones and my border, you know what I didn't have in that situation? I didn't have margin exactly now if i would have bought it from the beginning if i had enough money to do it i would have bought 10 percent more than normally you do that right you buy 10 percent more than you need so you have margin exactly but when you don't have margin you get nervous you get stressed you get worried and thankfully i figured it out and i couldn't care less no one will ever see those two little corners but that's the reality now you have yeah <laughs> So that's okay. And I, I, I'm, okay. I'm content with that. I'm very confident in that. That's okay. So, and if I wouldn't have done it like last year, then I wouldn't have had an illustration today. So it, and it wasn't intentional, trust me. Um, now, what would have dropped my worry? Margin would have. And this is the same with our finances and how we steward our resources. When we're missing margin, we worry more. And of course, there's moments when it's out of our control, but I want to talk about the moments when it's in our control. Jesus gets to other sources of worry, which will reflect. Here's the second one. It's misplaced value. I mean, he talks about how valuable he, believe, he knows the, we are to the Father and how valuable our life is. And he says, why are you so overly worried about food, food and clothes? Don't you know there's more to life than food and clothes? In other words, there's more value in other things than just what you're eating and what you're wearing. In other words, when we have misplaced value, we also start to worry. Because when we're valuing the wrong things, our energy and attention goes to the wrong things and we start to worry. And Jesus says, isn't there more to life than some of these things? Misplaced value usually depletes our margin. And here's why. Because when we value the wrong things, we spend what we have on those wrong things and we deplete our margin. And then we get worried. We don't have excess. Misplaced trust is the other thing that Jesus will talk about. Ultimately, Jesus is inviting us to trust him, strive for his kingdom, trust him, to shift our priorities to his kingdom, to his will, to his purposes, and trust that God will provide for our needs. So there's a shift in priorities, which means there's a shift in our budget. And we're going to come back to that in the next week or so. But I want to come back to margin. Because margin is one of the sources of worry for you and me. It doesn't matter how much we make. We know that on a regular basis, generally in our culture, people are stressed about finances, whether they're making $50,000, $100,000, sometimes even $500,000 a year because they lack margin. Here, and here's one of the ways our culture teaches us to spend. And I've shared this before, and I'm going to just put this on the screen. Normally, culture tells us to do this. You spend. Even worse, they say, buy now and pay later. It's the worst thing. But that's, that's, this is like our cultural flow of things. Just spend your money. And especially if you want it now, buy it. Don't worry. You can pay it later. And then save and then give. And usually what happens is that when we use all of our resources in the first third of this, we have little margin or nothing left over to save. When we use all of our resources in the first and maybe even the second, we have no more resources to give. Jesus is going to lead us towards a life of meaning and mission. But at the first, just, just today, just understand, this is normally the flow of culture. Now, I believe Jesus flips this, and you can look at the next picture, because Jesus speaks about 
investing, prioritizing ourselves towards God's kingdom and God's righteousness and God's work. And so I've talked about this for years, and you can go back and listen to other podcasts or we can have a chat about this. I really believe that the scriptures call us to flip the cultural script, to give first, to save, make sure we're saving, and then to spend the rest. I think there's more meaning in that. I think there's more purpose in that. I think there's even more margin in that. And while I would love to start with that, I would love to start with generosity. So many of us feel too strapped to ever get there. So many of us feel too strapped to, to invest in, in other meaningful things. So many of us feel so strapped to fuel God's kingdom. Many of us have lost track of our money and lost track of our spending and then have lost track of our purpose. And so I just want to briefly wrap this up with what it means to create margin. Because Jesus says very clearly, really simply, where your treasure is. In other words, you have opportunity to create margin in your life and to increase margin, decrease worry. And the, the main idea of this, when Jesus says where your treasure is, he's telling us something. And it, I'm going to put this one on the screen. You know where your money is going. You actually know where your money is going. In fact, we should all know where our money is going. This shouldn't be a mystery to anybody. Like if we have a conversation and I tell you that I had $100 and I don't have $100, you, could, you should in a valid way say, Dave, what did you do with the $100? If I say, I have no idea where it went. And we're like, what? You just, where, well, where did it go? I don't know. Well, where did you spend it? I can't remember. Did you give it to someone? I don't think so. Did you, did you buy something? I don't remember. Like, how, why would I not know where the $100 is? Right? You all should know. We all should know. It shouldn't be a mystery. My son's first job was, uh, and I appreciate my son so much. He's such a great worker, and wherever he's worked the last few years, and his first job, he was in grade 10, was working at a local restaurant, and, um, you know, this was an amazing uh, experience for him. And, and while he was an, a great worker and a really growing in responsibility, I remember one day he said, and I think he was in grade 11 or something, he's like, I don't, uh, we were talking about buying something. He's like, I don't have money for that. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have money for that? And I said, what happened? And he said, I don't know. I'm like, well, what do you mean you don't know? Well, where'd the money go? And I'm like, I think you're like getting a paycheck or something, you know? So he was still 17, and because he was still 17, we had the right to say, well, I mean, I guess you still have the right, but we just don't poke in that way these days because he's older. So be careful with your adult kids. But I was like, well, let, why don't you print out like three, four months of your bank account? We'll know where your money went. So he printed it out, and we looked at it together, and we reviewed the transactions, and we're like, yeah, mystery solved. Now we know where your money went. I'm not going to tell you where it went, but it... <laughs> But it went to places, meaning it wasn't a mystery. It was known because we could know where our money goes. Here's this line I want us to remember. Money is not hard to track, but when you lose track, you start to lose it. Money is not hard to track, but when you lose track, you start to lose it. Um, every year, I like to see where the debt-to-income ratio hits in Canada. And this is the number that it hits today. It's $1.78. Debt-to-income ratio means that the amount of debt we owe according to the income we make. So people owe $1.78 for every dollar they make. Did you hear that? People owe $1.78 for every dollar they make, average in Canada. That means that some people probably owe $3 
for every dollar they make, and some people obviously are below that, but that's the average. $1.78 is the debt-to-income ratio in Canada. That means that among us today, we're Canadians, we somehow, somewhere fit into this. And some of you feel this, this pinch. Um, now, not all debt is bad, because some debt is maybe you're paying off a house or you've, you know, you're, 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 you've done something with that that's important. But that, a lot of that's consumer debt. Some of it's mortgage debt. Here's another stat I always, I'm always fascinated with, and it's these two numbers. 18% is the amount, of, the amount we spend beyond what we can afford when we use credit card. So if I, go to spend, if I go out to spend $100, if I'm using my credit card, on average, I'm going to spend $118 because it's a credit card. I don't feel it. If I use my debit card, on average, I'm going to spend 12% more. I'm going to spend $112 instead of $100. When I carry those cards, when I use those cards, while they're not bad and they're useful in some ways, percentage-wise, we actually spend more than we would normally spend in our minds because we're using those cards compared to cash. It's a big difference. But here's, the principle still works. This is important. Where your treasure is. Where your treasure is. We must discern and lean into the place and the purpose. Because what you record, this is important, what you record helps you determine what you can afford. This is why we, we stop and say, oh, wait a second, where am I spending my money? Oh, wait a second, what's my budget look like? Wait a second, does my budget reflect who I am? Does my budget reflect my values? Does my budget reflect the goals we have as an individual or as a family? Does my budget reflect my faith and my mission? How do, you know, and here's the beautiful thing. What we record actually can help us determine what we can afford. And sometimes it's not just affording it, like I can afford it, but it's actually determining where I want this to go, why I want to do this. And so... Simply, simply, the, the simple thing I want to encourage us to just kind of press reset. And I know some of us need this more than others. I get that. But to just track it and then tell it. Track it, track your money, and then tell your money where to go. Isn't this amazing that your money waits for you to tell it where to go? Your, mo your money's just sitting there. Gets into your bank account, and it's like it's waiting. I'm waiting for a prompt from Sanaz. What am I going to do? Where do I go? Where do I go next? Where are you going to spend me? Where are you going to invest me? Where are you going to, you know, where are you, where are you going to give, right? Like our money's just sitting there waiting. It needs a prompt. Money doesn't just go. We tell it where to go. Money's neutral. We have control of telling it where to go. So you can give your money a place and purpose. Money's an amazing servant, but a really bad master. Remember that. Money is an amazing servant, but a really bad master. And while I'd love to get into like all the aspects of a healthy budget, I'm just going to say two things to leave us with today. And it really revolves around our spending because we could talk about giving and savings and all that kind of stuff. And you could take a course on that. And we've had courses and we'd love to help anybody who needs that in a more personal way. But here's the thing. We all spend our money. We all tell our money where to go. We all give it a place or a purpose. All of us do that. All of our money goes somewhere. And at some point, even when we die, the money that you haven't spent is going to go somewhere. The government's going to take some. Somebody's going to have some. You're going to leave some directions of, of where that's going to go. All of our money goes somewhere. If you don't spend it now, you'll spend it later. If you don't spend it later, someone's going to spend it later. It's just given. It's, you can't even get around that. So here's the two, the two ideas that I want to leave you with. One is, 
what you spend now and what you spend later is a way to really kind of come back to the table in a basic way around a budget that gives you margin, where you can get under the surface of what Jesus is saying to say, you can tell your money the place and purpose it has. Now, when you spend now, these are like all the essentials you have. If you have a heating bill or you have rent or you have, you know, to provide the basic needs of food, that's spending right now. It's, it's the essentials. It's not the extras. It's the basics. It's not the big things. That's just spending right now. And you can create margin here, but for the most part, you're creating margin with like, you know what? I'm going to shop at this store instead of this store. You know what? We're going to budget food for the week because we're going to do it this way. You know what? I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy clothing at this store instead of this store, or I'm going to wait for sales. So in your spending, in the now spending, you can even create margin. You can tell your money where to go. You can discover when, when and where and how you want to spend it. So you can create margin here, but here's important. When you're, you're focusing on your needs, not your wants, that's how you can create margin in that area. Spending within your needs and not just your wants. But here's the, here's, this is the problem. When we use all our spending, 100% goes to the now. We have nothing for later. We have nothing for important things coming down the road. We have nothing for that emergency that happens. We have nothing for that, that birthday gift we want to buy in that moment, you know, a month or two months later. You're going to miss this, and you're going to create, uh, have no margin and have space for nothing else. And that's, gonna, that's, that's when worry jumps up. When we've spent everything in that category and we've left no margin, our worry goes up and our anxiety goes up. And you know what it does? It, it stops us. It actually straps us from other meaningful things in life that, God, that are part of God's kingdom and other meaningful things in your life that God actually wants for you to have and other ways that we can participate in his mission, it straps us. So the spending now is important, but we got to discover what's really now, not what's later. So here's the next thing. We all have a chance to spend later. I love this. I used to talk about uh, spending and saving or giving, saving and spending. But now I love to use the word delayed spending, which is really spending later. Because all your money will be spent later. We all have delayed spending. It's, it's an important part of our life that comes up through the year. This is delayed spending. Maybe it's a special dinner or an overnight trip. That's a delayed spending. You know that's coming? You're not going to spend your money now. You're going to wait for that trip. You're going to put it aside. You're going to let it grow. You know a birthday gift is coming? This is... I, I, I have to, this is like self-medicine for me because my kid's birthday at the end of April, Mother's Day, anniversary, my wife's birthday, all in the span of four weeks. I, Dave, why don't you prepare for this four weeks in the year? And then I get nervous and I get worried. I'm like, oh man, we just spent this and now we're, that's, that, that's my fault because I didn't, like I wasn't thinking six months before that those four weeks are going to be a, a heavy week of blessing my family. No, no, when I, I mean, heavy, <laughs> financial heaviness, not like, wow, you guys really read into that. That's like, really, that's totally, no, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's heavy because you worry. It's not heavy because what you're doing. It's just like, okay, so you get it. So that's, this is the problem, right? If all our resources get sucked up now, will have nothing for delayed spending, and our worry goes up. The number one factor in our debt, the number one factor in consumer debt in our world is buy now because we can't wait. 
the number one factor. Buy now because we can't wait. Buy more because I think I'm going I'm to want it. And it's, it's the number one factor. People go into debt because they spend now what they should be delaying to spend later. It's just right there. It's right before us where we know this big thing is coming, this bigger thing is coming, this important thing is coming. And we end up getting caught up in spending everything in the moment. And then when that thing comes, we're like, oh, gosh, I don't have it. But I have to do it. Let's do it. And then we go into debt. And then our worry goes up. So delayed spending is simply this, and I put it on the screen. Putting a future want into your present budget. Super simple. Delayed spending is putting a future want into your present budget. And then when we do that, we make margin a budget item. We actually make it a budget item. Because Jesus actually tells us we have choice where our treasure is. We have choice where to put our treasure it's, it, trust me, there's so much more to where we put our treasure than just that next dinner or that next gift or that next thing. There, there's more to that. There's, there's meaningful things in life and there's God's mission. But just as we start, this is so important. And here's, here's, what, I, here's what I'm betting on, that some of you right now watching, uh, listening and watching are thinking, why didn't I start this a year ago? So many people look back and say, why didn't I start doing this a year ago? Why didn't I start doing this two years ago? I wish I would have anticipated this financial squeeze that's going on. Of course, none of us could really know exactly what's going on. But you know what else can happen? And I know this is going to happen to many of us too. A year from now, we're going to look back and say, why didn't I put margin in my budget last year? Why didn't I start this last year? Because a month or two or a year or two years are going to go by, and we're going to look back and say, why didn't I start that? And so the best time to start creating margin in your life is five years ago. But the second best time is today. The second best time is today because there's always opportunity. And you might be thinking, Dave, you're sharing all this stuff from Jesus' words. Like, what does this have to do with trusting God? I believe that we trust God so much when we recognize we're immersed in his care, right? Look at how he clothes the lilies. Look at how he feeds the birds. I believe we demonstrate our trust to God in this way when we live within our means. When we overbuy, when we overspend, when we lean into things that don't give us ultimate value, when we lean into spending too much than we needed, we're actually saying, God, I don't trust you. So when we create margin in our life in such a way, we're actually saying, God, I trust you. I'm content with what you've given me. I'm content with how you've how, you know, where I'm at in my life. I'm content with, with working with the, the income that I have. I'm going I'm to be content. I'm going to lean into this. See, Jesus says, don't worry, because he wants us to trust God, and he wants us to prioritize his kingdom. But the first practical step against worry is margin. Because I can tell you this from my own experience We can long for so much. We can long to be involved in God's purposes. We can long to give generously. We can long, um, you know, to bless our family in certain ways. We can long to live the life that God calls us to, but there's going to be a moment where like, oh, I can't do this. And it's not because you couldn't have done it. It's because you didn't anticipate that you wanted to do it and you didn't prepare for it. That's different. Some things are are out of our control, but some things are in our control. I'm going to invite Matt and the team to come up so we can end trusting God with all of our lives. But here's, here I, here's how I want to wrap this up and just say this to you really, really, really simply. 
when you and I create margin in our life, we make space to trust God. We make space to trust him because we learn contentment and we learn to live within our means. And as we're going to discover in the next few weeks, we make space for meaning. We make space for mission. We make space for the dreams that God births in us aligned with his kingdom. Ultimately, margin is actually a gift to you. Margin is a gift to me. It really is. When we can understand that we actually can say where our treasure is going and we can create margin in our life, that's a gift to you. Because it, it puts you in a place where you actually have space and attention to, to, to discern, hey, where's God leading me? What's God doing in my life? Because when worry is up, when anxiety is up, when stress is up, you know how hard that is? We're thinking about 10 other things. So it actually robs our mind and our hearts from what God wants to do. And that's like, so margin is a gift to you. Margin is a gift to me. But you know what margin also is? It's your gift to the people around you. It's your gift to the people around you. When you create a financial margin in your life, it's actually a gift to the people around you. Whether that means, uh, whether you have kids or not, you know, some people say, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to have, yes. If you have a family, financial margin is a gift to your family. It's a gift to your kids. It's a gift to being able to then make choices and prioritize things. It's a gift to show them what it means to lean into blessing God's kingdom and other things. That's for sure. But even as an individual, even if you're single and you're like, well, what about as an individual? Is it a gift to the world? It is a gift to the world because you're making space for yourself to lean into meaningful things that the Lord is leading you towards and you're making space for God to use you to bless other people. But when your margin is zero, it's so hard to do that. So this is a gift to you and it's a gift from you to the world around you. And then we're going to see in the next few weeks how it makes space for meaning and for, for mission. But I want to end as the team leads us just to sing... That last song we sang, maybe just sing the chorus and the bridge because it leads us to really understand that God longs um, to lead us into a life of goodness and fullness when we understand his kingdom and his purposes for us. So let's, let's sing this together. God, as we pray right now, as we just lean into this moment, we just... Firstly, firstly, Lord, we ask for your wisdom. I just, I know that there's some people listening or here today that are actually feeling really strapped. And I pray, God, that you, that they would know that they can lean into you and trust you, but also that they can know that they can get wisdom from you. Get wisdom from you, God, to make space in their lives. to fight one of the things that the world, the rat race of the world, the selfish ambitions of the world will often lead us towards, and that's stress and worry. So I just pray specifically for those who need that today. And I pray for all of us, God, where we can lean into this wisdom because not only is this a gift for us, some of us already have experienced this and we treasure it, but Lord, you also want to use us as a gift for others. 
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.